Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 25. Mark 11, 22 through 25, and Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. I would say, like, it's amazing to me the power that unforgiveness can have over you and in your life. Uh, Unforgiveness actually has the power to change the atmosphere, to change your perspective, and to change your thinking, and even change your speaking. Because uh, what it does is it kind of grabs hold of you, and it stops you from going forward, and it stops you from seeing things in their true light. So uh, when you have a situation that causes you to be offended or to be tempted to be offended, uh, it's really important that all of us kind of say, whoa, 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 I'm always going to walk in love with everyone. I'm always going to walk in forgiveness with everyone. And Jesus actually lumps this together with how your faith works and how faith itself works and whether you have the power uh, to speak to the mountain, commanded to be cast into the sea uh, or not. Because he says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father uh, which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And I know uh, one of the most difficult situations to pray in is when you're upset with someone and you're not going to forgive them. And you're like, you know, you're trying to get close with the Lord <laughs> and talk to the Lord and be like, okay, Lord, let's, let's discuss this. And you have this, this little uneasiness on the inside, like, hey, what about your heart towards this person or that person? Uh, and you know, uh, do we really need to talk about that right now? Okay, Lord. And so once you get that uh, released and give it to the Lord and really forgive that person, then... Uh, man, it's so easy to act in faith because you're like, you know, um, uh, it's not me. And so we're going to look this morning a little bit, of course, at the speaking part of faith, but we're also going to be looking about uh, righteousness and how righteousness is involved. And when you have uh, a consciousness of messing up or a consciousness of uh, sinning, doing something wrong, uh, it really hinders your faith. How does it hinder your faith? Well, you're not going to be bold about the things of God. And you're not going to be bold in prayer because you're going to feel like, you know, this, this, there's something wrong. There's something that shouldn't be going on there. And so you actually are hesitant in the presence of God. And really, you're hesitant to even approach God. What does that mean? Uh, that you open the door, go into the throne room, and you're hesitant to approach? Not even that. It just means that you don't really want to pray because, you know, you're going to have to deal with this situation that you don't really want to deal with. And uh, when you come into the presence of God, the awesome thing about coming to meet with God is he is truth. And he won't let you, if you listen to him, continue uh, in the path that's the wrong direction, like unforgiveness or bitterness or, or these type of things. Um, So it's very important that when we pray, when we stand in faith, that we're having faith in God and not faith in ourselves. Uh, Somebody said that uh, unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. 
It really poisons you and it poisons me. So we don't ever want to allow uh, for one second bitterness or uh, unforgiveness or animosity. And in fact, Dad Hagen used to say, if I sensed any hint of that, I went after it. He would say like hammer and tong. I would say like with everything I had, every direction from every way, I'm not going to let that stay there. I'm not going to have it. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to not have it. And that's really one of the reasons that he walked in divine health for, you know, 60 years. Because, uh, you know, uh, you get in the devil's territory like that and he can attack you. Uh, but in the new covenant, everything is fulfilled by love. Love God, love your neighbor. That, you can sum up all the commandments Jesus said by saying those two things. And in the, under the Old Testament, you see all the law and the prophets. And, you know, he said, if you uh, observe to do everything that's written in the law, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. The number of your days I will fulfill. He didn't even say you would fulfill them. He said he would fulfill your days if you do that. And so for us under the new covenant, that's the commandment of love. And we walk in love. And, um, you know, I can't go into all the stories, but, uh, you know, I remember hearing of one particular lady that went and she wanted to be healed. And... Uh, she realized when she uh, was going to go be healed, uh, just through the preaching of the word, that she was in unforgiveness with her brother. And so she called to make it right. They hadn't, the only brother, only sister, they hadn't talked to each other for 25 years. And she went out of the meeting and called her brother and said, hey, I called, you know, because I want to ask you to forgive you. He said, oh, he said, I was going to call you and ask you to forgive me. He's like, I was at fault. And she said, no, I was at fault. And uh, he's like, no, I was at fault. I was way more to blame. And, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, well, maybe I'll do 60, you do 40. And they finally agreed half and half, right? You take half the blame, I'll take half the blame. Well, then she went back to the meeting that night and was going to get in the healing line to be healed, but she couldn't find anything wrong with her body. Because as soon as she forgave, healing was there. Well, you know, I think we're all believers here this morning. And you find that really... Healing is the children's bread. And when you are born again, you are redeemed from the curse of the law. That includes spiritual death. That includes uh, redeemed from sickness, redeemed from disease, and redeemed from poverty. And if we are redeemed, that means actually you don't need to be healed. You are healed. It's part of the package. It comes with the package. Uh, but when we have something like unforgiveness, it can actually stop that uh, from being able to come, and it actually opens a door for the devil to be able to put sickness or disease on you or on me. And so um, it's very important for all of us uh, really to focus on walking in love and saying, I don't care really how people treat me. Uh, I'm going to walk in love concerning them. And that's a real easy to preach, and then it's a little more challenging to walk out. But if you're uh, faithful and you put your faith in God and trust in God, you can, in every situation, choose, no, I'm going to, even though, yes, that is very wrong, what they did to me, what they said about me, I'm going to choose to put that under the blood. In other words, I want God to see them the way he sees me through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. What they did, yeah, it may be wrong or whatever, but I'm not going to account for it. In other words, I'm not their judge. God is their judge. I'm going to believe the best for them. And, um, you know, the Bible even says, who are you that uh, criticizes another man's servant talking about someone else that's God's servant? 
And so we don't want to get on that territory. Uh, the devil is the accuser of the believer, or of uh, the brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so we leave that to the Lord and, um, you know, pray for them. Pray for them that despitefully use you, bless and do not curse. Um, we're really called to bless. And James even talked about that, um, you know, brothers and sisters, he said, blessing and cursing are coming out of the same mouth. Can a fountain of water or a spring of water, can it have like good water and bad water, bitter water and sweet water at the same time? No, uh, these things shouldn't be. And so we may find ourselves sometimes like blessing uh, everybody else, but this one person we're cursing. In other words, we're just speaking bad things over them and, and getting on that territory. And we're not to do that. It shouldn't be that way. It should always be blessing. And, uh, you know, I actually, I don't really mention it uh, a lot of the time, but I grew up in the Free Methodist Church. And my, um, uh, let's see here, my grandparents helped start, I don't know how many, my parents actually helped start a Free Methodist Church in my hometown. And then my grandparents on my mother's side, they helped, uh, I don't know how many churches start, but anyhow, several churches. And my, those grandparents, uh, their parents were like uh, what they call superintendent in that denomination over there. So I have a long history of uh, free Methodist uh, ministry on, on that side of uh, the family. And uh, Brother Hagen, so this is why this story is uh, special to me, I guess. But Brother Hagen always talked about this guy that was like 90 years old. And he was a free Methodist. And um, he, um, he wouldn't uh, really criticize anybody. And um, this man, uh, at the time he talked to Brother Hagin, he was 89. And he had lived in uh, what we would call divine health for 40, over 40 years. Had no sick days. Nothing wrong with him. And in fact, he had a full head of hair. And his hair was not even gray. Okay, and um, so uh, he kind of talked to Dad Hagen and said to him, you know, like, uh, do you know how this happened? And he said, this right here, I learned to keep this. He said, I learned to keep this, my tongue. Uh, and, you know, keep your tongue from evil and you'll see good days, the Bible says. And so this man, he said, I'm just as much of a man at 23 that I was at 23 at 89. And he even, you know, to, to kind of be funny, he'd always say, you can even ask my wife. Even sexually, he was that way. But even physically, he could get up, he could do all this stuff, and he kept his health and kept his strength. Now, of course, like uh, not losing your hair and uh, not going gray, those are uh, beyond healing. That's how uh, you can have whatever you say. And um, incidentally, when Dad heard, Hagen heard him say that, he didn't lose any more hair from that point on. So it's amazing, like, the power of your words and the, and the power of what you have. Um, but, uh, you know, to go 40 years and not have uh, any sickness, any disease, that sounds like God's best. It sounds like a, a good plan. But the way he said he did it was he controlled his tongue. And so uh, I have found that that's a lot harder to do than it is to say. Uh, I know you guys are not like that. It's just me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, because you could set out, you know, like the best intentions. Okay, I'm never going to say anything that even sounds slightly bad about anybody ever again. And then <laughs> the situation comes up and you're like, well, you know. And so um, 
that's, uh, you know, we could turn actually over to James, but uh, as James says, the tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And it's actually the member that's the hardest to control. But if you can control your tongue, you can control the course of your entire life and every aspect of your life. And it's amazing to me the power, uh, after studying this for, you know, probably 20 years now, uh, because when I grew up, I didn't understand the power of words like I do now, and I still have a lot to learn. But it's amazing, after 20 years, the power of our words never ceases to amaze me. Because I have uh, some type of relationship with every single one of you. And you could say words to me, or I could say words to you after the service that could make you feel really uh, sad or depressed or upset or joyful or expecting or either way. And uh, actually the words of uh, your family and uh, your close friends are normally more powerful than the words of somebody you don't even know or that you casually know. Uh, They just know how to say all the right things or all the wrong things. And um, your words to yourself and over yourself are very powerful. And so you can speak yourself into faith and you can speak yourself into joy or you can speak yourself into depression or you can speak yourself um, into defeat. And normally your speaking comes from your thinking. So how does the devil work? Well, he takes a thought and he gives you a thought or me a thought. And, um, well, I can't speak for you again. I can speak for me. He doesn't, I don't normally get just one thought. Like I have this thought and then like this thought and then this thought and then this thought and then this thought and this thought. You see that from every direction? So you have all of these thoughts. And, you know, well, they did that because of this and, you know, they're trying to do this and that and that and can't you see that and can't you see this and you're not uh, measuring up and all these thoughts like bombard you and try to uh, consume you and take over your thought life until there's enough thoughts that those thoughts produce action, right? Because the devil wants you to act out and uh, preferably to speak out because uh, those speaking words give the ability for things to come to you. And we've talked a lot about the ability for things to come to you that come from God. Uh, But really, the devil wants a pathway so he can bring you things that he has. Well, we know from John 10.10 that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Christ came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So when we allow ourselves to speak the way God speaks uh, and to think the way God thinks, then we can have what God has provided for us. But when we allow ourselves to go the other way and speak the the thoughts of the devil or get on his territory, uh, you know, I I would just say like um, uh, things happen in atmospheres. And so when you're speaking, you know, uh, this is never going to work. These things are not going to happen. I don't know what I'm doing. That atmosphere starts to be created. I almost see it like imaginary. This is not like I'm not talking spiritual something, but you know, like you ever see the little cartoons I think it's the Roadrunner, uh, where the, they'd always have this dust, this cloud of dust, you know? I kind of see it like that, and it grows and grows and grows. And your words cause it to grow, shrink, disappear, whichever way. And it can be an atmosphere of the love of God, the presence of God, the fact that with God, nothing shall be impossible. And that means nothing. Nothing means nothing. 
Like this situation is impossible because this person is so stubborn or this person will not do this or this person will not listen. God is the God of the impossible. And for me, when I run into the situation with the impossible person, you are flat right. That person is impossible. But the blood of Jesus can reach to the uh, innermost part of who that person is. And the word of God actually does that. Um, That when you put faith in God and trust God and you release them to the Lord, then you allow him to work on it rather than like holding on to it and like, you know, Lord, when are you going to do something? When are you going to do something? When are you going to do something? You got to fix this person and do this and do that. And, um, you know, I think the point where we grow the most is when we realize, uh, Lord, like, look in me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Uh, you judge yourself and then you not be judged. And you let the Lord deal with the other person. You say, you know what, Lord, I don't understand everything they're, go- they're going through. I don't understand everything they've been through. But I'm going to give them over to you because I have your love in me. And I want your very best for them in every part of their life. Uh, I want you to live uh, in them. And I want to see them living for you. And I, for me, I just, when I say I plead the blood of Jesus over someone... Um, I do that whether uh, I'm having challenges with them or not. So if you hear me say, I plead the blood of Jesus over you, (laughs) it doesn't mean I'm struggling with you. Um, But uh, when I have had other situations, especially different places of employment, uh, I will say, you know what, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. And for me, that allows me to release the, the situation to the Lord. And then what, that, what I'm declaring when I say that is, may what the blood of Jesus accomplished and conquered and defeated be for them. In other words, see them in the blood, I'm going to see them under the blood. And when you see someone under the blood, including yourself, that means not only is everything wrong that you did forgiven, but I think even more importantly, it is cleansed, removed, annihilated, gone, out of existence. In fact, it's as far out of existence as God has the ability to put it out of existence. And God even said, I'm not going to remember your iniquities. I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. And he did that for his own sake. So let's just, all of us, uh, decide that we're going to act like God. And so what God does with your sins and your mistakes and where you didn't do stuff right or maybe you said something wrong, is he says, I'm removing it from uh, my memory. Gone. As far as the east is from the west. It's completely gone. And so we should do the same thing with ourselves and with other people. We say, for our own sake, I'm not going to remember this. For our own sake, I'm not going to do this. Because, you know, I gave the example a little bit ago about, you know, unforgiveness and bitterness being like poison. You're, you're, you're so upset at the other person and you're trying to, like, uh, get back at them, but you're actually poisoning yourself. Well, even God said, I'm not going to do that myself. You may be messing up. And I'm God. I'm speaking for him right now, you know. Uh, But for my own sake, I'm not going to remember it. I'm going to blot it out. I'm going to remove it. I think that's awesome. Praise God. And so we know when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And um, we can do the same thing that God did. And we can do the same thing that God does. And we should. So we can love like God loves, and we can forgive like God forgives. 
And God doesn't forgive and like bring it up to you all the time and keep saying this and going over it and going over it. Now, the Lord will help you if you go to him and say, hey, Lord, you know, I messed up in this. Can you help me see where I missed it and where I messed up? Uh, Anytime I've ever done that, well, actually, anytime I've ever come to the Lord, I never feel condemned. I feel welcomed. You know, I may have like this area where he's like, you know, I'm really not going to talk to you about that until you, uh, you know, deal with how you treated this person or how you thought about this person. I said, okay, Lord, you're right. Uh, I was wrong in that, and uh, thank you for showing me, and uh, let's get this over with. (laughs) But the Lord, I never have felt condemned going to the Lord, and you won't ever feel condemned when you go to the Lord. If you're feeling condemned, it's not from the Lord. Uh, There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who don't walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So if you're feeling condemned, you might be walking according to the flesh. It's still not God condemning you. It's actually your own spirit condemning you because um, the most frustrated people on earth are people that are Christians and don't act like it. Why? Because you've got something on the inside, and it's not working on the outside. <laughs> you got something on the inside, and the outside is working on its own, the flesh. You're like flesh-ruled or reason-ruled, and you're trying to do all this stuff and gratify the flesh. And on your flesh, it feels really good for your flesh to be gratified. But as a, as, a, as a whole being, as a whole person, the real you, we talk about um, the heart uh, that you, you know, your spirit's in your heart. And if you talk about a subject, you want to get to the heart of the matter, the core of the matter, you're talking about like your heart. Well, in your heart, in your spirit, man, there's nothing like trusting God and believing God and walking out in the power of God because I don't know how to explain it in natural terms except for I just feel like this fullness, like you're enveloped in this fullness and things are the way they're meant to be and things are the way they're supposed to be and that's when you're, you're going with God and that is way more satisfying than any gratification of the flesh. It's like, whew. And so when you have someone that is like despitefully using you and, and, um, and cursing you and um, trying to do everything they can to undermine you and you decide, hmm, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to love them no matter what. You know, actually, it says that the Bible says it's like keeping coals of fire upon them. And um, I don't know everything, so I don't know the full import of that verse. And some people say, like, well, that's, you, you're going to get them back because it's being coals of fire. In my heart, I just, I like, I'm like, you know what? Coals of fire will help burn away anything in them where they're, you know, they're doing all this stuff. And uh, even in that, I, I don't, I don't want to wish anybody ill will. I don't want to wish anybody, like, bad or even think that way. And um, the easiest place to stop these uh, things from coming out as words is at the very onset you know, like resist the devil at his very onset. And um, then it's a lot easier to overcome them and, and uh, to take over them. So Jesus said, um, have faith in God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Even if we took that verse and used it, applied it to the subject of uh, walking in love and forgiveness, think about that. You will have whatever you say. So you can say a lot of things about how a lot of people are treating you. You can say um, this or that or whatever. And uh, you're, you could create a pathway for this to happen. 
Now, we're not talking about, um, you know, you go to the doctor and the doctor says uh, you have this uh, terminal disease. Uh, we're not talking about being afraid to say that because the doctors, uh, thank God, actually, for most doctors, they have been uh, given abilities and natural abilities to see what's going on in the natural. So all a doctor does is they're telling you, naturally speaking, this is what's happening in your body. And, um, you know, uh, times when I have uh, uh, let sickness get a hold of me where I shouldn't, so many times it actually came when I thought, you know, uh, well, my voice is just like that because, uh, you know, uh, I yelled. Actually, yeah, I was like in service last night and I was praising the Lord so much and my voice is like that. So I just don't even address it. I just, I just stay neutral. I leave things the way they are. And all of a sudden, like, whoa, I'm not feeling so good. And what is this? And I'm like, oh, isn't that like the devil? You're in a worship service, and then after that, you know, you're thinking like you just yelled too much or too loud or whatever, and then he's attacking you. And, um, but it is just like the devil, because you remember where Jesus talked about the parable of the sower. You know, the sower sows the word, but then the thief comes to try and take it away. Uh, so you know, as soon as you walk out of this place, and as soon as you walk out of any ministry service where people are ministering in the name of the Lord, and they're ministering to you the word of God, because the word is the seed, uh, you know the devil wants to try and knock you off of that belief and steal that belief from you. He wants to try to take it. Because if you take the seed that's sown, and you actually cultivate it and water it and put it into practice, your life will change. Your scenery will change. You'll start to see different things, and uh, the devil doesn't want that to happen. And uh, so um, a faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. Faith uh, is ignited by hearing the word of God. And so Jesus said, have faith in God. Uh, I say to you, whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So what are you going to have? Whatever you believe and say, not just what you believe. And you're not going to have, uh, like a good one for me would be like, you're not going to have what you think and what you believe. You're going to have what you speak and what you believe. Because uh, um, in some circumstances, I'm not actually that talkative. And so I'd rather just not talk about it, you know. But that doesn't work for faith. Um, let's look at Hebrews uh, 11. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if you're uh, trusting God, if you're in faith about something, it's something that you don't see, right? It's something that you don't, uh, is not tangible to you in the natural world. But you want it tangible in the natural world, right? If you're uh, believing God for a child, you want that child tangible in the natural world. If you're believing God for a house, you want to be able to move into that house. If you're believing God for... Um, if you're believing like by his stripes you are healed and you see something in your physical body, you see a, a blemish or a growth, you want that growth gone, right? So we don't want to, uh, sometimes people will talk about faith and have it be like this, well, I'm just waiting on the manifestation. Well, faith is actually a rest. 
And so you know that you're trusting God, you're believing God when you're not stressed about it, you're not worried about it because you have already prayed. God has already done everything and it's just a matter of time this thing is turning. You know, like in really, really the way you say it is, uh, not that say it, but the way it is, is like if you came down for healing to have hands laid on you, the second hands are laid on you or the second the pastor prays or the minister prays, then you know that's all that's necessary because God has already accomplished it through Jesus Christ. And the second that you come down and I lay hands on you or somebody lays hands on you, you know if you're coming in faith, it's done. So I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it looks like. I know I'm either instantly healed or I'm beginning to amend. I know that that's it. I'm not waiting for something else. Um, and really the best way to come to receive healing is if you do what Mark eleven twenty three and 24 says, whoever uh, shall say he'll have whatever he says. So if it was me, I would say, you know, the second I go down there and hands are laid on me, I'm receiving my healing and everything changes from that point. And really what it becomes, if you're a believer, really becomes what we call a point of contact. It's just like, okay, this is the point where I'm going to release my faith. And I remember... Um, um, you know, I'm thinking about for the sake of time here. But I remember Brother Hagen uh, telling of his daughter, Pat, uh, Patsy Harrison there, and um, wonderful, wonderful lady, wonderful minister. When she was young, she had a little growth on her eye, and he traveled so much, and they didn't talk on the phone so much because it was expensive, so they just uh, mail letters back and forth. And um, he found out she had this growth on her eye, and so he, a faith and healing preacher, before he spoke, he actually went through the Bible, and he had most of these memorized, but he went through and read every healing scripture in the Bible. And then he spoke, and when she was uh, getting up one morning, doing her face or whatever, it just fell off. Okay? But why did he do that? Because faith is inspired or comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so you really uh, want to have strong faith and speak to these things. And the way that our faith is strong is that we believe what God says more than what we see or what we hear or whatever else is going on. And then the way, the way we do that is we actually confess these things. In other words, we declare them. We speak them out loud. And we say, no, it's not going to be that way. This is how it's going to be. Like, no, that's not going to be on you forever. What happens is Jesus healed this. Jesus delivered me from it. And I'm not going to put up with it any longer because Jesus healed me. So I am healed. And in that situation, that example, you know, the minister laid hands on me and it's working in my body. And this goes contrary to like natural thinking, contrary to feeling experience, but is faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain. Now, if Jesus acted like that and said, like, well, I guess when I spoke to that tree, nothing happened. So my words don't have any power. That would be devastating for all of us now, wouldn't it? Because the tree would not have withered the next day. And then he would have, he would have begun a decaying process. Right? That's why he couldn't even say that. Because if he says, I guess my words have no power. No, our words do have power. And um, power to heal, power to mend. Um, when I say power to heal, I'm talking about in Proverbs, it says that the tongue of the wise is health. Uh, but there is he that speaks like the piercings of a sword. 
So in other words, you can use your words with other people and you can actually pierce, not a good piercing, a bad piercing. You can injure or you can bring health through, through what you're speaking. So Jesus said, have faith in God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And that's the verse we'll end on uh, this morning, but is that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the whole world in the beginning was framed by God's words. And he's saying, have faith in God, have the God kind of faith, lay hold on God's faithfulness, act like God, talk like God, be like God. And I created this whole thing in the beginning with words. So I'm just having you, who I made in my likeness and my image, speak like me and act like me. So whoever says to this mountain, be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Well, what is the mountain? The mountain is a difficulty, a problem, something that seems huge. What's the sea? Well, the sea doesn't really matter. What it is is he didn't say, speak to this mountain and be removed and go to my neighbor's neighbor yard or neighborhood. No, cast into the sea. Why? Because you can't even tell that it was there. It's gone. You can't see. There's no evidence of it. So whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he says. So uh, not cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that God wants will come to pass, he'll have whatever God wants. No, God wants... Uh, whatever situation you're thinking of, whether it's relationships, whether it's uh, finances, whether it's your body, God wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the will of God is that you're healed and you walk in divine health. The will of God is that you prosper and you walk in prosperity. The will of God is that everyone come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and be born again. And, you know, uh, that's my favorite example because if that's the will of God and God's will was just going to happen automatically, then everybody would be born again. And we know everybody's not. But that's what God wants. That's what God's heart cry is. And not only is his heart cry that, God's not a, a limited being. His heart cry is that we walk in health that we walk in blessing, and that really we take his life and his love, his very nature, and be channels for that nature to touch the world and change the world. I mean, remember Romans even tells us that the whole world, creation, all of creation, not just mankind, actually groans for the redemption because uh, everything was affected by the curse. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and powerful, that your word penetrates to the center of our being. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that as we go today, that we wouldn't just hear and forget, but that we would be doers of your word, Father, that we would walk out your word in every pathway of our lives. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you that you're good and that your mercy endures forever. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that you are a God of grace, that you are a God of mercy, that you are a God of love and confidence and comfort and help and strength. Father, we thank you that we will not leave here the same way we came in in Jesus' name. 
Father, we thank you for the power of your word. Father, we thank you for the power of the love of Jesus, that the love of Jesus that you have poured in abundance into us is stronger and greater and more powerful than any hatred of the devil, than anything that the devil would bring, than any bitterness or unforgiveness that the devil would try to hold us in bondage with. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. Oh, Father, we love you. We magnify you. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. You're good, and you always do good. All of your ways are good. Father, we thank you for your plan for each and every person that's here and each and every person that's listening. Thank you that you have plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Thank you, Father, that with you nothing is impossible. Oh, Father, we place our faith and our trust and our hope in you, Father. In you, we find our life and our strength and our help, Father, and our direction. Oh, Father, we thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, just between you and the Lord, you don't need to raise your hand or uh, um, speak anything super loud, but if you're holding unforgiveness be- uh, f- with anybody or for anybody, or if you feel like, you know what, I haven't uh, been writing my heart towards that person. I want you right now to just um, turn that person over to the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm not trusting, uh, I'm trusting you and I'm trusting your goodness. I'm not trusting in their goodness or their ability to do what's right. I'm trusting in your ability to live in them. Just turn them over to the Lord right now. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we can live free from unforgiveness and free from bitterness and free from uh, tools that the devil would use to hold us back. Hallelujah. Father, we just turn every situation, every relationship, uh, every employer, every... uh, co-worker, every employee, Father, over to you. Father, we say, may your very best happen in their lives. We plead the blood of Jesus over every single one of them, over every relationship that everyone here and listening has, Father. We plead the blood of Jesus that prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the devil to deceive us. Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus, the love that you have given us, Father. We thank you for it. 